Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick DeLeon with my co-host Lucas Tashi. Today we're going to be talking about the Prem in Syria and then we're going to be getting into some gambling. We hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, Lucas, give it to me straight. How did the boys do? Uh, which boys? Your boys or my boys? My boys. Okay, I got to be honest. That was, that was a very, very entertaining game to watch. Um, I was listening for the first half, but start to watch uh, in the background and then watch the second half. It was back and forth action. Uh, a lot, a lot of action. Um, we didn't even mention the teams right now. <laughs> you just asked which, how your boys played. Uh, for those that are listening, we are talking about Manchester United versus Arsenal. Uh, it just concluded about 15 minutes ago. We were recording on Thursday evening. Uh, Manchester United had won 3-2, to two, and from that scoreline alone, you can assume it was a very entertaining contest. Uh, goals galore, really good attacking uh, offense from both sides, weak defensively from both sides, which is what you would expect from uh, both the teams. And I'd say this is a more important three points for United than it is for Arsenal. Um, Arsenal is still fifth right now and then united with those three points are in seventh but two points back of arsenal and they do have goal differential in hand um recapping the game though it was like i said back and forth arsenal started uh started up one nil with an emil smith row goal and then bruno fernandez evens it up at one one and then in the 45th minute there was a free kick for arsenal and harry Maguire. Pulls uh, the attacker, uh, the Arsenal attacker. I, I forget who it is. I, I believe it was Tomiyasu. And it was in the box. So, in my opinion, it should have been a penalty. Arsenal should have had a penalty before the half uh, concluded. But the ref didn't give it. And the ref didn't even look at VAR. It, it's, it's kind of shocking that they didn't look at VAR. It's very, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's not fair, I would say, because we'll get into this in a little bit, but United had a challenge that was a penalty. The ref didn't award the penalty, but they looked at VAR. It's not consistent. That is the word I'm looking for. Refereeing in the Premier League is the most inconsistent thing I've ever seen. Uh, It seems like it has gotten worse and worse every single time, but... Yeah, it's it's a very unlucky result for Arsenal. Uh, they should have had that penalty. And then in the second half, Ronaldo bags uh, two goals, one being the penalty, which is it, it was a just penalty. It was rightfully called. Uh, and Odegaard scores and it ends uh, three to two. Uh, as I said, really, really attacking game. You have 14 shots from United, 17 from Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal edged United with possession 56 to 44, but uh, for the most part of the game, it looked like United was in control uh, with Arsenal getting glimpses of attacking uh, areas. But like I said, uh, good three points for United. Very unfortunate for Arsenal. Probably should have finished 3-3, but that's football. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say with that. Um, since, Nick, you didn't watch the game, what are your thoughts after hearing the recap? I mean, I just it sounds similar. Like, uh, I, I think Arsenal has kind of uh, 
especially the developments and the additions that they've made with the squad, they should come away uh, with European football by the end of this year. So, I mean, to look at this result and to see the statistics and everything like that, I mean, I can't speak to how they played versus Manchester United because I could not watch. Uh, yeah. But just looking at the lineup, right, like to to remove uh, Lakanga and uh-huh. and to have El Nemni start when uh, Sambi has been the, the best midfielder, honestly, that Arsenal has had in the center of the pitch this year. I think it was the the worst time to rotate El Nenny, and to be quite honest, I think uh, I think having those two together, Sambi and Partey, is the be- the best midfield combo that we have at the club right now. Over and- Xhaka, when healthy. So that's tough because I, so Xhaka and Partey are are very good. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it, he's he's not. I don't think he's available right now. He is not. He is not. That's why I said when healthy. So, so he's out. So in my mind, when I said that, like right now, like there's okay. no, there's no other, there's no other real rotation option. If you're going to give El Nenny a game, like he's in my opinion, the fourth choice, I'd rather play Maitland Niles ahead of him. Yeah. And, uh, I just think that right there, uh, if you're, if you're telling me that that's the lineup, right. If I read Man United's lineup versus Arsenal's, I immediately just think that Man United is going to boss around the center of the midfield. Right, and, and I don't know if that was the case in the game because I didn't watch. It but kind I, of was, but also our midfield is absolute crap. Uh, yeah. Fred has actually played a lot better ever since he's been moving up more, but McTominay is just horrible. Uh, so he was dominated by Partey. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think it, it, like you said, it is what it is. Sometimes the results don't break your way. Uh, I mean, if you're saying we, we deserve a draw, I guess we did. But Man United are the victors here. And I agree with you in the sense of looking at the result. They definitely needed it more than Arsenal did. There's no no doubt about that. And, uh, I mean, we can talk about all the matches, but I, I don't think we should go through them one by one. I think, I think the smart thing is to look at the standings, right, Lucas? Yes. And looking at the updated standings right now, the biggest thing that sticks out to me is just <laughs> – just the tightness for that fourth place spot, right? Like looking at all the teams, you can make the argument that Tottenham might be in the best position because they have a game in hand uh, against Burnley and that should put them into fourth place over West Ham. But if that's the case, let's say let's say they, they have 25 with that game in hand, right? You have four points separating fourth through, through uh, eighth place. Right. So that's mm-hmm. five teams fighting for that one Champions League spot just based off the points. Now, do I think that Wolves will get that spot? No, I don't. Do I think West Ham will fall off uh, and Leicester will potentially regain form? I do. But at the same time, I really think the three teams competing for that fourth spot now are Arsenal, Tottenham, and Man United. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I-, I think... I would put the edge to United because with with Ralph Ragnick coming in, it's it looks like or the anticipation is that they're gonna have more of a identity. You're gonna know how they play, you're gonna know uh what they do and how they do well, and then that will lead to results. And also looking at the run of fixtures that they have over the next six games, they're all lower quality. 
So it gives Ranić time to get his players up to speed into the way that he wants them to play. Uh, we talked about him last week, but he's a kind of guy that uh, he will force his players to press. He invented the gegenpressing, pressing, which is used now by uh, Jurgen Klopp. He is he is a manager that wants his players to have high work rate and then attack quick. He wants to score within 10 seconds. Once he gets the ball, score within 10 seconds. And if you see how he played with RB Leipzig a few years back, 80% of their goals was scored within 10 seconds. They make a line-breaking pass once they receive the ball, and they end up scoring. So I think with the run of fixtures that they have, they will be uh, in the they are the team that is more likely to finish into that four spot but i agree with you i think Leicester is going to move up i also think brighton's going to move up and i think i think tottenham and wolves are going to drop back i think they're going to drop down really? I, yeah i do i think tottenham and wolves are going to drop down out of the seventh place spot i don't see antonio conte doing well with them and I just, I, I've heard him say it's tough managing this team. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I agree with you. It is tough managing this team. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's it's hard, right? He has to have his hands on uh, on every single face and facet for this team, right? So I do think that with Tottenham, uh they have the potential in the long term, but I do see them falling out of this. Now, if you're asking me which team is the best, like player for player, Manchester United is the best, right? But uh, I just feel like, you know, Arsenal's cohesiveness will keep them in the conversation. I, I think I think West Ham also uh, will be in the conversation. But at the same time, I just think that their squad doesn't even stack up to Arsenal's. Like, they have quality players, but is there anyone that you look at and you're like, damn, this guy's like a this guy's like a world beater other than Declan Rice? Not not really. So it's going to it's gonna really end up being Manchester United as the favorites. I don't think Tottenham's going to actually fall off. I do think they're going to be in position to compete. But, I mean, I, I, I would ultimately just have to concede Manchester United has the best team, player for player. And we'll just have to see how this plays out going forward. I do. And, go no, ahead. let me jump in about West Ham though. Yeah. Because you're saying that they're in, they're going to be in a position. I think 100% that they are going to drop off. I think they're going to finish in sixth or seventh, not even not not even fifth. And the reason I'm saying that is because one, they don't have the depth, and you can see that by their performances recently. Uh, they faced Brighton yesterday, one-one draw. They lost to West Ham 2-1. They lost to Wolves 1-0. And then they beat Liverpool 3-2. So essentially, they're very inconsistent with their results. Yes, they can get a result here and there. But they can't consistently get a good run of fixtures. Because right now, they're on a three-game winless streak uh, after beating Liverpool. And you would think after beating Liverpool, your spirits are high. You, you want to get more wins. But they lose to Wolves. Of course, then they lose to City, which is expected. And then you draw to Brighton at home. And also, it's it's tough considering they're also facing Chelsea on Saturday. So that's why I believe they'll drop off. 
I don't think they have the depth. And this is their first time in the Europa League. So I don't think they have the depth to maintain a squad that is good enough to compete in the Premier League and the Europa League. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, there's like a couple I, more things I want to talk about. Too. I, I want I want to you skip the best part. OK, go for it. Dude, that first that title race is unreal. <laughs> That title race is unreal right now. Like three teams separated by two points. Chelsea first with 33 points and a 27 goal differential. Yeah. And City with 32 points and a 21 goal differential. Liverpool with 31 points and a 31 goal differential. The next closest goal differential is eight. Yeah. West Ham has eight. These three teams are far and away better than anybody else in the league. There are only four teams in the Premier League through 14 games that have a positive goal differential. And, no, no, no. Oh, yes, positive, yes. Yeah, positive. Positive. Arsenal is in fifth place with minus three, which is crazy to me. It's just, it's, it's, you, you said it best. I mean, uh, Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool have just been a tier above everyone else. And... It's just gonna be it's gonna be impressive to see. I Manchester United, like I think you can say this too. I just feel like with the form of those other three teams, their their title hopes are done, right? We had picked them yeah. to be one of the four to compete, but it's over for them, and that's unfortunate because they do have the talent to compete. Yeah, they uh, have twenty games since uh, September or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's- yeah. <laughs> uh, who do you think is gonna win it, Lucas? Dude, I don't know. It, honestly, it's a coin toss. Like, uh, it's a freeway coin toss. Like, I, if, uh, I don't even know. Oh, man. I'm going to back form, and I'm going to go with Chelsea. Okay. I think City's priority is going to be the Champions League. So, I think they'll go all out to get the Champions League. I think they'll deprioritize the, winning the league. And I think the same can be said for Liverpool. Uh, the reason I'm saying Chelsea is going to put their all uh, all their eggs into the Premier League is because Tuchel won the Champions League last year. He wants to win another league. Uh, that that's that's my mindset. That's that's how I'm thinking about it. I think it can go either way. It all depends on form, run of fixtures, and how they can maintain the Christmas period. Because that is a huge, huge uh, uh, impact into the league. That yeah. Christmas period really changes everything. I agree. And I think with with uh, AFCON coming up, right, yeah. that's going to impact a lot of teams, particularly particularly Liverpool and particularly Chelsea, right? Yeah. So, so with that being said, Man City does have, like, the slight advantage considering that tournament. They're going to be missing players. <laughs> But that doesn't mean that the like the title hopes are over, right? For those two other teams, I still expect this to be tight all the way to the end. Yeah. If you had to tell me who I'd pick, I mean, I I believe Chelsea was my pick to win it before the season started, so I'm not going to change uh, my pick. But look, even though Man City is a point back, I think just because Afcon is this year and. Uh, Liverpool and Chelsea will be without key players for about a month. That does give Man City the advantage, but that's not to say that they'll win it. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's fair. I think it, it's too early to tell. Uh, I, we still have 24 games to go. Um, so, yeah, but it, it's very fun to watch these three teams compete. Uh, yeah, oh, man, if Liverpool had won that game against Chelsea, it would be a whole different uh, story. Like, yeah. In that game as well, Liverpool was up a man. Chelsea were down a man. And it, they were dominating that second half. They should have won that second half. Uh, it just didn't go their way. But, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go right to the end. I think it's going to go up until championship day yeah. where all the games are going on at once. And I think that'll be the most exciting championship day we would have had in since 2012. Yeah, I agree with you. I uh, just piggybacking off of what you said, right? Like Chelsea managing to hang on is just like their their defense is the best in the world, in my opinion, right? Like they are just so solid, and it's just I think this this Chelsea team particularly just has something different about them. It's just it's just that feel where they have like something that in my eyes separates them from the other two teams this year whether they can keep their form or not without Mendy right because he's going to be gone that's going to that's going to be the determining factor for them and uh, I think before we move on Lucas I have two points I wanted to to hit off of right uh do you like the fact that Newcastle is going to get relegated does it make you feel good on the inside it's actually hilarious after they got (laughs) bought out and they're just going to be relegated. They're not going to have a good manager, and they're not going to make good signings unless they make the signings in January and end up not being relegated. It's quite hysterical if this $200 billion uh, estate buys Newcastle and gives them all the money, and they still end up being relegated and not good whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be hysterical. <laughs> I mean... What is it? What is it that they said? I read something the other day. It was it was like a it was like a satire article, but it was like uh, Mbappe uh, in the championship or something like that. It was it was like Mbappe, Pogba, uh, like every free agent that's going to be Holland all in the all in the championship if they pay for Holland. You know what I mean? Just like funny stuff like that. But uh, I do think they're going to get relegated. Honestly, I don't see them unless they spend some serious bread on that team. Yeah. January like they are they are going to go down their squad is not good enough uh it's going to be interesting to see and uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh Aston Villa right and Steven Gerrard you know he took over he's won two games uh before he lost to Man City which is there's no shame in that uh no. but but he's had a decent start as the manager at Villa and I just think it's going to be fun to see where this team ends up being I do think they have a chance of making uh, the top half of the table. I think that's reasonable considering the talent uh, that we have competing for Europe this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how Villa builds off of this season with him as manager, but very promising start for, for him. And uh, very disappointing at the same time for Everton. Like really disappointing, man. Like very, it's just uh, unfortunate for them because those fans definitely deserve better. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the board has really kind of uh, screwed them over. Yeah, they yeah. have. And yesterday's thrashing by Liverpool was just another reason why 
they are just a like literally a few tiers below uh, Liverpool, and they're and the thing is with them, they've been unfortunate to have injuries to Dominic Calvert Lewin because they started off well when Calvert Lewin played, they were doing well, they were score they were winning, they were scoring goals. Now without him, it's up to Richarlison and Damari Gray, yeah. and they, they can't do much with them. And I, I think their biggest thing. And their biggest issue is defensively, they're very weak. Very, very weak. Uh, they do have quality up top, but they just don't have the quality in the back to be able to defend these top teams or even maintain them. And I think that goes to Rafa Benitez. His coaching style is just not good. Uh, personally, I, I saw them play yesterday, and it's just they, are, they have no... Uh, identity they it, it looks like united under Oli. they have no identity they have uh, you don't know how they're gonna play it, it's no rhythm to it it's it's you're not pressing you're not doing you're not passing the ball like uh triangles like there's nothing to it it's just free falling it free balling it like just it, I, I don't know how to explain it but it's just not good management it's not good coaching i don't know what they do on the training pitch but it looks like they're not doing anything, and they're also not getting their star players on the ball. Yeah, Charleston's not getting on the ball enough, and that's why they're in 14th right now. But then again, if you look between fourth place and all the way to 16th place, you're only—it's a nine-point gap. During the Christmas period, that nine-point gap can be cut to four, can be cut to three, easily. Because during those that Christmas period, you have four games in a span of two weeks. And it's all about the run of fixtures that you get and uh, the depth that you have. And I think Everton's depth is better than the rest. Uh, so I do see them moving up. I also see Aston Villa moving up during that period. And before the season, I did say Aston Villa would do well. And I, with the two wins under Steven Gerrard, they are doing well because they have the quality. They have the talent now. Um, it's just putting it onto the pitch and getting those results. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And with that being said, I think it's time that we transition to the next league that we want to cover today. And this one is just as exciting, man. Uh, I'm interrupting you because this this league is incredible to watch. Uh, the Serie A, Napoli, AC Milan, and Inter are all first, second, and third within two points of each other. Like, just, it, it's similar to the Premier League right now. Uh, anybody can win. Um, what's really interesting here, and what I'm going to ask you first, is Juve is in seventh place right now, and they don't look like they're in good form whatsoever. So what? where do you think, what do you think the problem is with Juve? And where do you think they'll finish? Yeah, so, um, you know, the, so Juventus, like, uh, they've won, so I'll, I'll give them a break, right? They got smashed by Chelsea. Uh, they lost to Atalanta. In the league, though, they've, they've won three or four. Now, just because they win games does not mean, and I think this is what you meant, does not mean that they are playing well. And and I think the obviously the biggest issue that Juventus has had is their playmaking, right? Uh, for their midfield options, 
I look at it and there's no one that I look at that can really like boss the center of the midfielder. Juventus historically has had world-class midfielders uh, on the center of the pitch to be able to dominate. Now defensively, like they, they, I like them defensively. I do. I like their team defensively, but you have like Ramsey, you have Arthur. Uh, I like McKinney, but like he is still super young and kind of immature and he's not the player that uh, he's not the player that Juventus has historically had that is great. And the same thing can be applied to Rabio. Now, along with that, right, the other issue that's gone on top of that is their lack of strength in the striker position. So for Dybala, right, Dybala is a great center striker. I'm not center striker, excuse me, second striker. He likes to play off of someone. Last year it was Ronaldo. There was debates of whether Dybala and Ronaldo could play together, right? But I like the way they play together, to be quite honest. I do like them. I did like their vibe. There were times where, if you remember, Lucas, when Sari was the manager, that those two players played so well underneath underneath him, they carried Juventus to yeah, the title. Yeah. Both those two players playing together carried Juventus to the title. And they still had the same issues in the center of the pitch that they do now. Yeah. But what's happened now is just that they don't have the quality up front in Ronaldo, coupled with the fact that there's problems in the center of the midfield. Yeah. And that's, that's what's causing them to fail considerably. Uh, I look at the top four, and I don't think anything is going to change with them for the rest of the year. I really don't. I told you last week, right, that Alana was going to win against Juventus. I had no doubt in my mind. They won, uh, and they've just they've just been in a crazy form. The same thing goes with Inter, right? Milan and Napoli have fallen off, and those two teams have kicked it up. Yeah. And I know, and I know, is only five points off. I expect them to compete for the Champions League. Uh, whether they'll compete for the title at the end of the year, it remains to be seen. But I will say, if it's close, if they're close, then I'm I'm going to lean towards picking them because they can score against anybody. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. And they don't care. And c- looking at the other teams uh, in the league, defensively, the only one that stands out is Napoli, right? Every other team has conceded the same amount of goals uh, or around the same amount of goals as Atalanta. Milan's conceded 15 uh, or 18, sorry, and Inter's conceded 15. Atalanta's conceded 17. So they're right up there with them, and it's going to be crazy to see how this plays out. You know, Napoli, I think they've just fallen off because of because of their striker's injury, right? Because yes. of the man's injury. So he's hurt, and Milan honestly don't have the depth, to be quite honest. I think Inter, even though they lost a lot of talent, had a really smart transfer window where they signed uh, Checo and then they kept Martinez. So that's allowed them to kind of uh, mitigate some of their losses. Yeah. Atalanta's just stayed the same, and uh, they'll continue to, to be better and develop their squad. But I, I just think that these four uh, these four are going to continue to thrive. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I think I think it's these four up until the end. Uh, as you can see, there's a gap of six points between fourth and fifth, uh, Roma being fifth, and then seven-point gap between fourth and seventh, which is Juve. Yeah. I think these four are 
for this season, they're the most in form compared to all the other teams. Roma has taken a step up. Uh, they have certainly improved with Jose Mourinho under the under their belt. Uh, and you, you can see with the quality and the, the points that they get, they do drop some points. So this past week, or this week actually, they had just dropped uh, three points against... Bologna. They lost. Yeah, 1-0 yesterday. Uh, which that could have been a three-point victory, and then that would have been only a three-point gap between them and Atalanta, and that would have been a different story. We wouldn't be differentiating the top four between the rest. But uh, I think I I would disagree with you in in you saying that Atalanta can move up to compete with those three other teams. I don't believe they can. I think uh, it's between Napoli, Milan, and Inter. And if you're going to ask me to choose, I still predict uh, Napoli to be first. Okay. I think they would finish first still. Uh, I think Inter would finish second and Milan would finish third. And then Atalanta would finish fourth. That's that's my prediction. The sports books right now are saying uh, Inter to finish first, uh, Napoli to finish second, and then Milan to finish third. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree with the, the book. I think okay. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's fair. I uh, honestly, between any of these teams, it can go either way. It, like the Premier League, like I was saying, it's all about form. If a team can get into form, yeah. they are just gonna get they're they're gonna get hot and they're gonna win. Look at last year with Man City uh, in the Premier League. They were I want to say twelve points back of Liverpool and United in December, and they went on a twenty-one game uh, winning streak. And that's just massive. That's that changes everything. So, looking at it, um, it really anything could happen. Uh, but I do think it stays these top four. And then I think uh, Juve is going to end up finishing fifth, and Roma is going to finish sixth. I okay. do. I do expect Juve to bounce back, not to the level that the top four are at, but I expect them to just maintain that uh, Europa League spot, which is honestly very surprising because. When was the last time we saw Juve in the Europa League? Uh, I want to say it was five, six years ago. Like yeah, it, a long time ago, because they've they've won a lot of titles uh, consecutively, a lot of titles. I think uh, to go with what you're saying, I mean Roma, dude, their games coming up are so difficult. Like they play, they play, uh, they play. Inter, right? They have a break against Spezia. Then they play Atalanta, Sampdoria, Milan, Juventus. So it's so tough for them. I just think that they can make it, right? They get the easier schedule on the backside. But that's that's going to be a brutal run of games for them. Uh, if you had to, if you, if you had to make me pick right now, I would say uh, Fiorentina. I really like this year. Mm-hmm. They haven't drawn a game, but I I just really like Vlahovic. He's he's like a top quality striker he's gonna be the next like biggest star wherever he goes i hope he goes to the premier league to uh arsenal in particular because he's just he would be the perfect fit there he's just a clinical finisher uh for that remaining last spot right i think juventus will get it so i have fiorentina and juventus instead of uh instead of roman being in there okay just because the schedule you're saying fifth Fiorentina, sixth Juventus. No, I'll probably say Juventus fifth, Fiorentina sixth. Okay. I, I think that's fair. I think even though Juventus has its issues, 
and I don't think they're going to be able to spend the money that they want. I still think they'll be able to compete against the lower end of the table and beat those clubs. Yeah. Especially with uh, Allegri being the type of manager that he is. So I just think that that'll end up uh, being enough to push them into fifth. And I just don't think Roma and Fiorentina or Lazio are consistent enough. Yeah. I think towards the end of the season, I think Roma's just going to get into the easier run of fixtures and they're just going to get into good form and then get uh, a few wins that'll just keep them up in that picture. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, well, Lucas, the time has come to talk about the Ballon d'Or. Oh, man. Uh, so I didn't want to have this conversation, but but we have to, right? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, politics has won, and uh, the Ballon d'Or for 2021 goes to Lionel Messi. It's his seventh, I believe, right? So he uh, has by far the most, and he had a good season where he won the Copa America. It was his first international trophy, definitely a landmark year for him in terms of how he played for Argentina. Uh, but as far as who should have won this award, right? Because the year before was taken into consideration. 2020 was taken into consideration along with this year. Uh, Lewandowski should have been the person that won, in my opinion. And I'll turn it over to you. You give your thoughts first, and then and then I'll piggyback off of that, or I'll respond and everything, and we can talk through it. So floor is yours. Uh, we don't need to talk much. We really don't need to talk much because this is all politics. Uh, I think this here solidifies that the Ballon d'Or means nothing. Uh, yeah. All a uh, political thing to get somebody a trophy. And it, I didn't know that they factored in 2020 into it. Knowing that now, it justifies more the fact that Robert Lewandowski should have won it. 100%. I texted you uh, on Monday when the news came out when Messi won it. It, it was a robbery. Uh, it was not the right move. And I, I really I support Messi. I really like Messi. He did not deserve it this year. Uh, yes, he won the Copa America. Whatever. Uh, Robert Lewandowski, the previous year, he won the Champions League. He won the league. I think he won the treble. The full treble. No, he won He won the sex treble with uh, Hans, Hans Flick. Correct. Hans Flick. Yeah, so he won the sex treble with them. So... I I don't know how Messi won it. That's why I, I just don't think we should spend time on it. I don't think we should uh, give exposure to the Ballon d'Or because after this year, it truly means nothing. Yeah, like, I agree with you. Yeah, that's it. I, uh, that, well said, man, well said. So before we go, and this is why we didn't have it mentioned in our introduction because we both feel the same way about it and – like you said, I mean, there's just no good legitimate award uh, to award the best player for that season. There's no metric. The, uh, the best idea that I had for this was to just split it up by, uh, you know, thirds of the pitch, the goalkeeper, best goalkeeper of the year, best defender, best midfielder, and best forward, because that's the only way you could really do it that's fair. And then eliminating the overall player of the season, because to be quite honest, th that kind of diminishes – the players who aren't goal scorers more than anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I agree with you. So just to conclude this 
uh, this podcast, I want to read some of the stats to the people listening that I texted you, right? Uh, so Lewandowski goals since the start of last season, yep. uh, 86, 86 goals, Lionel Messi goals since the start of last season, 52. So Lewandowski since the start of last year, since 2020, not even the season before that, right? Not even the season before that, not even 1920 where mm-hmm. they won the sextuple, I believe. Yeah. Uh, the season after that. He scores 34 more goals than Messi since then, right? It's probably the gap is probably a little bit more if you consider that season before. Uh, and then for assists, Messi has 17 assists, right? You think the assists definitely bring the gap closer? Yeah, it does, but only six because Lewandowski since the start of 2020 has had 11 assists. So you're looking at 86 goals and 11 assists since the start of the 2020 season, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Messi's 52 goals and 17 assists. So it's not even close. Some people will say, oh, well, Messi does more. Does he do more? I don't know. I don't believe that. I think, you know, Lewandowski is by far the best striker in the world. You can say Messi distributes more. He carries the ball up the pitch more. Well, you know what? That's not Robert Lewandowski's job. Okay. So you can't fault someone for, for not having the position or having the responsibilities that other players have. You can only grade them on the standard of the assignments that they're given. Mm-hmm. And Lewandowski has aced every single assignment that he's ever had. Yeah. And that goes without saying, you know, is he the best player in, in the world right now? Form-wise, like, that's debatable. That's totally debatable now. But he has been over the course of the last two to three years, if you isolate those. Yeah. And it's just going to be it's going to be interesting to see. The last thing I'll say, right. No, is, let me jump in because it's okay, fake. It is fake from the French news or whatever this this company is to give Robert Lewandowski the striker of the year award. 100%. It's, it's just a scheme to get him something because they know he was robbed of the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. Yeah. Just Total fakeness, total fakeness, uh, shoddiness. There's no goalkeeper, no defender, no midfielder of the year. So they just make a separate there award. Is, there is a goalkeeper of the year, actually. Oh, you're right. The Levy Yashin Award. You're right. You're right. But uh, you know what I mean? No defender, no midfielder. Uh, and to to like just give him a consolation prize just shows how petty they are. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, the last thing I'll say is, People also say, oh, Lewandowski played in the Bundesliga. Where does Messi play now? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where does Messi play now? And also, if you're taking into consideration the whole year, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this with one thing, Lucas. One question for you, okay? True or false? Since the start of this season, the start of this season, Cristiano Ronaldo has had a better start to the season than Lionel Messi. True or false? True. True. Don't even need to think about it, right? Yeah. Okay, so that with this man, Ronaldo was not even and didn't even show up, wasn't even in the top three. And a third of the year, he's had a better season than Messi has. With comparing Lewandowski to Ronaldo, you have to say Lewandowski has it, right? If you say the start of the season, Lewandowski has it. So, so I think I, they, they factored in the Copa America way too much. They did. I agree with that. And that's always been a problem, right? That's always been a problem. And I mean, there's no, there's no correct way to do it. You're right. But this is definitely the wrong way to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
All right. With that, I think we spent way too much time on that. We did, but it was a good venting session. Yeah, it was. All right, Lucas, is there anything else you would like to say? Uh, let's get into it. Let's get into the topic that we really hate the most, but also love the most because yeah. it's fun, but we also suck. Uh, I I mean, I was right on Barcelona. I was right on Atalanta. Uh, uh, you were yeah. right on Real Madrid. You were right on Real Madrid. Yeah, I was wrong. Okay, so we were three for four last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so not bad, not bad. All right, because the previous week... We're reason to gamble right now, baby. All right, so... Ooh, baby. I'm going to start while you search. Okay. Um, I have a fairly easy one. Chelsea Moneyline versus West Ham, minus 125. Not sure why the odds are minus 125. Chelsea are home. Uh, against West Ham, who are, like I said, they have just lost three in a row, or they've drawn one and lost two. I, I yeah, Chelsea won minus 125. <laughs> Love that bet. Uh, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go Arsenal over Everton for plus 115. Uh, I usually don't like to bet on Arsenal, but Arsenal coming off of a loss will want to bounce back against an Everton team that has not played well at all. So I really like that bet. I just think you get plus odds there, uh, and it just it just makes sense to bet them considering the fact that they'll feel the pressure to bounce back looking at the position that they are in in the table, and Everton have just been so poor. I just only expect for, for their form to continue. Okay, my second one. I just pivoted. Okay. I just made a last-second switch because okay. uh, I just saw some – Unreal odds, and you can likely justify if I'm being crazy or not. But Real Madrid money line plus 120. Oh, this is Real Sociedad. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say that too. Yeah, that one's that it, one's that. What? Why? Why is that? Why are they getting plus money? I don't know. <laughs> They're away. Yes, but why? It, tie, no, tie no bet. It's minus 165. Yeah, I don't, uh, that's that's still, too much money, I think. Yeah, still decent value, but I agree. The plus 120 is so good, so sweet. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, the La Liga has, like, a lot of promising ones. Sevilla for plus 100 is really nice, too. Uh, I was going to say, like, if you feel like really – you want to have, a, like, a really good time, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just would consider uh I would consider best betting Aston Villa against Leicester just just for fun just see what happens but I'm not going to lock that in. Okay. That's just uh the gambling addict in me uh saying that we should bet more than we should. But the last one that I want to talk about is Napoli versus Atalanta. And what I if- want to bet Atalanta at plus 185. Oh, okay. So there's plus odds. It's super tight. I want to bet Atalanta at plus 185. Not the draw no bet, just the straight money line. Listen, tie no bet, Atalanta is plus 100. So double up. So maybe it's worth it at that point. Uh, You could also do double chance, right? Atalanta and draw is minus 190. So that's... You know, the double chance is something that's super, super not talked about because you get two chances of winning it, but the odds are super less. So if you're going to do double chance, you have to parlay it. 
Like that's yeah. the only that's the only way it makes sense to to do that. But uh, again, just super super juicy games with plus odds everywhere. So exciting times. But I I have to say my favorite bet out of all of them is the Real Madrid plus one twenty line. All right, I uh, that's lock it in. That's our lock of the weekend yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right, all right. But enjoy them, Techers. Enjoy them, Techers. But no, we can't close it out like that. We just, all right. Hope you enjoy the show. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, our bets hit. Uh, huge dub from Manchester United. The Ralph Ragnick era is finally here coming Sunday. <laughs> now, Nick, what do you say? Enjoy them, Techers. <laughs> enjoy them, Techers, everybody.